1: Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by Dwayne Forrester, VP of Industry Insights with Yext. Dwayne's accumulated over 20 years of experience in the search and social fields prior to becoming the VP of Industry Insights for Yext. He's the author of How to Make Money with Your Blog and Turn Clicks into Customers through McGraw-Hill. He's worked in marketing and PR with Caesar Palace, run his own websites, communities, and consultancies, worked for small and enterprise publishers and online um, we're going to get into all of that in just a minute. Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Absolutely, Seth. Excited to be here today.
1: Excited to have you. So let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get started in the world of online marketing?
2: Um, I uh, was actually, prior to online marketing, I was working for Caesars Palace Casinos in uh, Canada, and I helped open up their casinos there. Um, I was working in marketing and PR. And uh, at the time, my wife was moving from one city to another to transfer her job and I found a digital uh, marketing manager job available and I thought well you know I have some applicable skills let's see and that led me down the path of um, online sports betting and I spent uh, almost a decade in that space um, and it was an amazing education and all things digital in the early years and that's that's really where the whole thing started following that Microsoft called, I went to run the uh, SEO program at MSN there, uh, took over Webmaster Tools at Bing and, you know, very short order, found myself here with Yext.
1: That is an awesome career path and I'm sure if it hasn't, the, sh- the longer version of that is in one, or, one of your books. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about what you're doing now. Um, how, let's talk a little, for those of our folks who don't know, what is Yext?
2: So Yext, um, yeah, it's, Yext is not a consumer product. We are uh, decidedly business-to-business, business, so uh, a lot of folks haven't really heard of us but um, have been touched by the work we do, basically, uh, through uh, our, uh, our clients. So uh, Yext is, uh, we are a data layer. Um, you will, if you're uh, Taco Bell, McDonald's, um, or even just a small local business, uh, you would use Yext to manage all of the data about your business and through our partnerships, get it into Google, Bing, Foursquare, hundreds of other locations. Um, that's the very simplified version of it. There's there's a lot more to it. Uh, we can get extremely granular in terms of managing structured data for a client or helping them uh, understand which data entities they need to relationship or, uh, create relationships between so that they're showing up properly in either a map scenario or with a digital assistant today or smart speaker.
1: Okay, so you brought it up. So with the advent of Alexa and Siri and Google Home and smart speakers, um, talk a little bit about voice search. How important is it? How can business owners start positioning themselves for folks to find them through voice? How does that all work?
2: Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things to keep in mind here. Um, first off, there's, there's a technical side. Um, before I get to that, though, uh, how important is this? This is incredibly important. If you look at the adoption rates of uh, smart speakers, and we are about to see this later this week, we will see a massive surge again in purchasing of these devices, just like we did last year. Uh, The prices are so low, everybody can get in on this exciting new way of data discovery, basically. So we're seeing an equalization that happens no matter your socioeconomic status, you can afford access to this service. And so it's, it's a really, um, uh, it's, it's something right now that, um, you know, if you look year on year the statistics on how people are using the devices, what they're using the devices for, we see remarkable growth. We see remarkable growth in things like their areas of comfort in speaking to devices. Um, I think there was a Google statistic um, just uh, sometime in 2018 they released it, and it was saying that a little over 40% of people when they speak to the digital assistant that they're speaking to a friend. That's the experience they have. And if you contrast that with like a year prior, you know, the, the general consensus was that's weird. Yeah. That, that is remarkable growth. in you know, a one year period. Um, you didn't see that kind of growth and uptake in mobile and smartphone devices when those hit the market. That took longer to reach mass market penetration. So, so how important is being found in a voice world? Um, It's going to be extremely important and it's going to be extremely important really soon. Um, Is it something that you need to stop everything you're working on and absolutely nail down this afternoon? No, no, you've got a few months to get on top of this. So there is a rolling effort here. And now to actually optimize for this, there's a couple of things that you need to be aware of. First off, the technical side. technical is um, you need to be researching and understanding the concepts of position zero, uh, the uh, featured snippet at the top of the search results. So if you go to Google or Bing, you will see at the top there's a box with an answer in it a lot of times for a direct question. If you can get your answer into that box, you stand a much higher chance of being the spoken answer on a device. So Google And by spoken everything. answer
1: you mean somebody asks I ask Alexa a question yes. and she reads me back the answer that is from a business yes that's on there on purpose.
2: Yes, exactly. And and there's a good reason for that, right? Because to attain that location in the search results, you actually are fairly well vetted by the engines. They've done a lot of work to understand is the question clear? Is the answer clear? Is it written in plain language? Does it solve all the problems inherent with the question? Is it is it written in a in a um, a syntax which a native language speaker will clearly understand? All of these things. Is it factually accurate? Is it um, you know what's the recency of this? Is it old information? Is it fresh information? And so on. It's passed all those tests in order to become that that box at the top of the page is the answer. And then from there, the system will determine, oh, this isn't a spoken question. I need to speak and answer back. That's a trusted source. Contextually, based on the information from the user's uh, exact scenario, whether it's a phone and they're on the move, they're in their living room and it's a speaker, it can make the determination that that is the correct answer to speak out loud. And then it will say that answer out loud. So obviously a search ranking that folks would like to pursue. And there are technical things that you need to do in order to rank for that location. So so that's the technical side. You you need to go in and do that. And I'm I'm not gonna get into all the detail on it because it it is a career's worth of detail to understand what it means to rank in that spot. But it is possible, it is technical, um, and folks need to focus on that. Now the other side of this equation is kind of shaping consumer behavior, which this is the difficult part. This is the black box of voice search. Um, You know, for decades, Google would not tell us how to rank. Uh, When I was at Bing, I spent a lot of time at Webmaster Tools talking with engineers, trying to get them to understand the more we could tell a business owner what to do properly, the better the search results were. And so, tease out the answers to the common questions, share them publicly. You know, that was, that was a lot of my life when I was at Bing. And what we don't see though in voice is we don't see inside the black box. So, if you were to turn to your device and you were to have a conversation with it and ask it questions and it gave you answers, the input that it received from that exchange would subtly influence the next set of answers to similar questions. And so with millions of people doing this every day, those influences are building up in ways that marketers have no insight into. We simply cannot see, there is no space where you can go and look at it. This isn't like keyword research data where you see a a word, you see a number, you have an idea of how popular it is, and then you know whether you should optimize for it. These are are conversations that are happening on on a random yet ongoing basis that you have no insight into and the services will not provide information in their systems to you about those conversations. So you don't really have a lot of insight into that black box side of voice search. So what you have to maintain is you have to maintain diligence over all of the data that you have about your business. That is your power. So we will reach a point where the systems are trusted to bring the right answer to the consumer at the moment that matters to the consumer. That's what all of these, you know, whether it's Amazon or Google or Microsoft, that's what ultimately they want us to do right now is trust me. I know how to answer this question for you. Um, and and that gets better all the time. I mean, I'm sure everyone listening will remember the early days of Google. And in some areas, they were extremely accurate. In other areas, it was laughable how far off they were with search results. Today, it's it's extremely hard to find inaccurate results in any search engine anywhere in the world. We've grown to that point. We have good answers. And consumers want to trust the services. So, so we see this happening. And ultimately, what you have to control is the data about your business, name, name, location, website, the people attached to it, Um, you know, if you're doctors, you've got practitioners, you've got your education, you've got where you did residency, Uh, if you're restaurants, you have menus, you have all of these entities within a business that you have to identify and manage in order to make sure that those systems giving answers have your information in an accurate and timely manner.
1: Absolutely, and that's a lot to take in. So we've got to, even if we've optimized our website to show up on the first page of Google and we've got somebody doing SEO, um, not only do we need to do that now, but we also need to optimize for voice search and make sure we show up for the questions people are asking, which aren't the same thing as search terms, right?
2: Correct. And so there, there's a lot of overlap. I mean, if I'm looking for a watch band for my Apple Watch, um, you know, I would just type in Apple Watch Band and I would get those search results. If I were asking for this for a device, I might say, What watch bands are available for my iWatch for? And it's essentially the same thing that I'm trying to solve for at its core. I want a watch band for my watch. But how we speak and how we've been taught to search are very different experiences. I mean, you know, Google, Bing, all of the Yahoo, all of the search engines over the years have taught generations of consumers how to type in keywords to ask for things. If you go back to the very early days of search, you saw long string keywords being entered where people would type in an entire question and that's what they thought they needed to do. A couple of decades on, everyone is just keyword focused and it's just, here are the keywords I want. There's no you know societal politeness layer attached to it. There's nothing like that. Just watch band, I watch, go, and, and it brings back my results. And this is a testament to how smart the search engines are they figured that out that they figured out the nuance around my nouns and verbs and they give me exactly what I want and they're accurate about it in the world of voice those societal norms still play a big influence so people are asking in fully formed questions which means if you can reasonably predict what the fully formed question would be around a product or service your product or service you now have the beginning of a playlist for here are the questions, and these are my answers, and that will inform your rankings in those search boxes. It's it's a it's the similar mentality to uh, keyword research, if you will, but a very different input and output.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Now you talked uh, a little bit early uh, in that answer. You talked about how the machines are learning what. Um, You know because it's a whole new process to decide who shows up is the snippet for a answered voice search Versus who's got the most backlinks and content and engagement for a keyword search talk a little bit about machine learning and how that's Influencing search and marketing
2: So uh, it's important to understand something everything in the world of search is additive. It is not subtractive so when we're having this conversation it's really important for folks to understand that you shouldn't look at, at voice search, for example, and say, oh, okay, well, we don't really need to worry about SEO as such. So whether I'm managing my links properly, whether I'm getting my on page done properly, whether I'm getting my uh, page load speeds nailed down, like I don't need to worry about that because this is voice. You actually do have to worry about all of that if you want to be the spoken answer because what this comes down to is the experience the consumer is going to have. And if Google or Bing is about to say your name out loud, they want to ensure that the experience the consumer is about to have is excellent or as close to excellent as can be. And that means there's a high probability that someone will go into the companion app for that digital assistant and click on the link to the answer. So now all of a sudden, you're on your mobile device, you're on a mobile website, page load speeds matter, time all of these factors that you would have to optimize for for mobile search now start to play a role in how you're ranking in voice search. Because if you suck at mobile search, you're not a good example, you're not a good answer anywhere else basically. so, so And this is, this is really important because in the world of machine learning, and this has been true for a long time. The engines don't forget. I mean, you know, if Google assesses a penalty on your website, and then you go in and you clean it up, and you say, "Hey, you know, can you remove that?" and they say, "Okay, we see you've changed. We we agree. They take the penalty away." That doesn't mean they forget that the penalty was applied. I mean, th- these are computer databases. The data is always there. It's never gone. It's always there. And if you are operating a website and you have a consistent history of every six months you revert back to type and you try to game the system again and they penalize you, well, you know, that's the classic pattern of how you burn a domain. And so, you know, like all of these things are fed into machine learning systems. And the machine learning systems are learning on their own. If you talk to an engineer, whether it's at Amazon or Google or um, uh, Microsoft or anywhere that's doing machine learning, and you ask them like if I ask this question, what answer will I get back?" They will be able to give you a probability of what they believe the answer will likely be now that 's really important to understand that there's a lot of squish in that engineering statement like
1: and, and squish is a technical term
2: <laughs> yeah well yes we'll, we're gonna, we're going to apply this in a technical manner today um, and, and it's it's really important though to understand that there's an engineer who is not capable of giving you a one or zero answer in this scenario, because the system is constantly learning from every input. And that's the basis of machine learning. And it learns at a rate that, it frankly is amazing to a human being to watch something move this fast. Um, However, if you actually look at how the human mind works, our brains process infinitely faster than even what machine learning is doing today the current crop of the known smartest machine learning systems um, probably has about the level of um, knowledge and intelligence of say a four to five year old child. And you know that when you think about it, five years is a lot of experience that you can gain as a child, you know, you've gained a lot of knowledge about the world around you in that period of time. You generally know things like don't put your hand on an open flame Because at some point, you know, you either listen to someone, which means you're you're a good kid, or you went and put your hand on the flame, which is a different kind of kid, and either way, you know not to do this, you know, and and we're finally getting to that stage with the machine learning systems. Um, And if you think about that, the data sets required to teach to that level, it's taken us 20 years of collecting that information and feeding it into these systems to get it to this point. Now... It does evolve very quickly. Uh, we're starting to see the beginning of artwork composed by uh, machine learning, of music, of uh, jokes and poetry and things like this. And as expected, it, it's a bit of a goat rodeo. Like it's, it's not-
1: I've never heard that phrase before.
2: <laughs> it's, um, it's, uh, it, it's an interesting scenario. If folks look into machine learning or AI built uh, poetry, or artwork, or things like that, you very quickly see that it's not aligned with what we would normally associate with those areas. Um, and, and you get the feeling like a child had a hand in it. Everything is perfect for the first 70 to 80% of whatever it is you're looking at, or reading, or hearing. And then at some point in there, it goes dramatically sideways. And you, you you're trying to decide whether you should call the ball on this, or if you're just going to be polite and say, oh, that's okay, it's a first effort, you know? And it's like, but that's where the machine is right now. Um, and they're trying to learn everything. So if you've ever, um, this is a, a great example that I think folks can relate to. If you've ever seen that CAPTCHA that uh, if, you're, if you're trying to enter something and they wanna slow it down to see if you're a human being and they show you what you know is the number on a house or the number on a door of a building, that CAPTCHA is a very specific product that Google purchased the company that, run, that ran that, that r- runs it I guess, and that system, it doesn't matter what you put in. So you can put in, have a nice day, you will pass the test and be let through when you hit submit. But what, what they're attempting to do is, the machine has a hard time reading the number that, it, that is being displayed to the human. And because humans are so much better at picking this out, they're crowdsourcing an answer that teaches the machine that in that image, that number is this. And so then the machine learns from that, that not only is the answer to that individual image question, what everybody says, but it learns that under those lighting conditions in these areas, um, you know, a sparkly font color on glass, it learns that that's a five three one, And then it can apply that to solving other visual problems that it's trying to encounter. But that's how you teach the machine, is you crowdsource millions of people every day to tell the machine that's five, three, one, that's five, three, one.
1: Right. I mean, that is what you're talking. This is absolutely incredible. It's the next generation of how you get your business found and how, how you market your business online. Um, for, I know we haven't even scratched the surface for our folks who are listening or watching who want to learn more about this and how they can position their business for, you know, the next generation, um, where's the best place to learn more and get in touch with you.
2: So there's a couple of ways to do it. Um, one, you can hit the website, uh, yex.com. You can take a look around there. Um, and obviously, you can reach out to me um, through the through the company. Or you can just track me down on Twitter, at Dwayne Forrester. Super easy to find me. Um, you know, being someone in the search industry, I tend to uh, over-index for search results around my name. So, um, you know, a, a quick search will easily turn me up and folks can reach out with questions.
1: Awesome. Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insights. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Seth. Of course. Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching. We will see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his Perfect Pitch Cheat Sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727